Well, I appreciate the music this morning. Amen. Amen. If you would, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. It's not my text, but I want to share something. It'll set up the text I'm fixing to read in Romans chapter 2. Brother Bill kind of spooked me this morning when he did Romans 3. thought, oh, here we go, but praise the Lord. We're in Romans today. We'll go to Romans chapter 1. Stand, okay, here we go. Let's begin with verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools." Now turn over to chapter 2, same book, Romans, and let's begin with my text, beginning in verse 11. For there is no respect of persons with God, for as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law, and as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the Lord shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the means while accusing or else excusing one another. <coughs> and verse 16 concludes, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Heavenly Father, I love you and praise you and I thank you for the opportunity you've given me to stand before your congregation. Now, Lord, I pray as you're ready to break the bread of life, I pray your blessing on it and that you'll just give me the words to say and bring to my memory those things I've studied and let me preach with boldness and authority those truths laid upon my heart. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have his way in hearts this morning. Speak to our hearts, Lord. If there's one here today that doesn't know you in the free pardon of sin, that today would be the day before it's eternally too late. So, Father, please bless the message. And, Lord, just help me your messenger. Father, I pray that everything said and done this morning honors and glorifies you points lost men, women, boys, and girls to you before it's too late. These things I ask in Jesus' precious name this morning. Amen. First thing I want to say this morning, please be seated. The first thing I want to say this morning 
is Paul dealing with the Romans. The very first chapter, he is talking about the depravity of man. Listen, man is born into sin. That's all man wants to do. He wants to live by the flesh. He wants to live apart from God. He has no love for God, no need for God. He's just satisfied being his own God, if you will. Live the way I want to live. So man is totally depraved. And what that means in simple terms is man is a sinner, a wicked, evil sinner. And I know that's not popular today. Psychologist says, oh, when you call someone bad, you're hurting them. No, I don't have to worry about hurting them. The word of God is true, and his word says that man is bad. The Bible says there's none good. No, not one. So that's what he's talking about. But when we get to chapter 2 and the text that we just read, Paul goes from showing us that we are depraved and that we are sinful and that God has revealed that to us, that we're sinful through his word, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But now that we know we're depraved, now we are accountable to God. Chapter 2 deals with man's accountability to God. Understand today how we live our lives. And it's true, most of society in the world out there believe they can live any old way they want to. They're not accountable for their actions. They're not accountable to anyone. But the truth of the matter is they are accountable to God. And one day they will stand before God and account for the life they lived. And not only for the sins they committed but for the truth they received while here on earth. Now that truth is the gospel. And that's what Paul was proclaiming. What did he say in 1.16? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every man that believeth, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. You see, it's the gospel... And the truth of the gospel that makes us accountable to God. So, let's go to verse 11. Notice what he says. For there is no respect of persons with God. Let me assure you this morning... That everyone sitting under the sound of my voice, including me, and everyone out in this big world, what is it, five, six billion, seven billion people, we are all accountable to God and he's not a respecter of persons, which means he is going to judge us all one day. All of us. Everything that's ever been born into the world is going to stand before God and give an account. And he's not a respecter of persons. And let me just say this. <laughs> There's a lot of folks have the idea that because they were raised in a Christian atmosphere, they went to church, they read their Bibles, they went to fellowships, they sang in the choir, they shook the preacher's hand, dad was a deacon, grandpa was a pastor, 
just because your family was that, that doesn't mean that is going to get you to heaven and God's going to love you more than he loves that lost sinner out there that's doing nothing but sinning. Don't trust in your religious background. Because I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people in hell today and a lot of people are going to be in hell tomorrow because they're religious. Religion never saved one person. It is about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you had better make sure you have that personal relationship. You want to blow people's minds when you're telling them about the Lord? And they ask you, oh, you're religious? Tell them you're not religious. They cannot believe. What? You're a preacher. You have to be religious. Nope. I ain't religious at all. But I am a Christian. And I know Jesus as my personal Savior. And because I know him as my personal Savior, I am assured of heaven. And you can be also. But God is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter what your background is. What matters is he is going to hold us accountable for the life that he's given us here on earth. And listen, we talk about choices. We make choices every day, it's true. But the only choice that's going to matter when you stand before him one day, is what you did with his son. Did you receive him or reject him? Now notice what he says. For there's no respect of persons with God. So are we all accountable to God? Yes. Everybody. Here and in the world. Look at verse 12. For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Now there are a lot of people out there in the world today. They're lost. They're undone before God. They're accountable to him. But they haven't been brought up in a Christian home. They haven't darkened the doors of the church. Some of them haven't ever owned a Bible, which I still find that is just hard to believe. I never ran into that until I came out here. Listen, back home, growing up, I can't tell you how many Bibles we had laying around the house. I hate to even admit this, but we even had one in the bathroom. Amen? We were Bible poor. But praise the Lord for it, Brother Ciro. We had Bibles. We had access to God. But there's people out here that don't have that access. And what Paul is saying even those that have not darkened the door of the church, even those that's never read the Bible, even those that haven't been talking to about the Lord, hadn't been witnessed to, they are still accountable to God. Even though they haven't been told, God has revealed Himself through creation. And He has said that they are without excuse. You ever run into anybody wouldn't somebody next tell you that ah, I'm gonna tell God you're not gonna tell God nothing. 
I'm going to barter with God. You're not going to barter. God doesn't barter. What he says he is, he does. And he means. Our world is accountable to God. Understand today. We are being told by the world that homosexuality is fine. Well, I want you to understand something. And, and listen, God loves the sinner, not the sin. It is an abomination to God. Read Leviticus, and I've heard this because I've talked to some that are that away, and they will tell you, well, that was the Old Testament. That doesn't apply to now. Understand something. God doesn't change what was sin in the Old Testament is sin still today, and that is an abomination. And you and I need to stand up and go ahead and say, sin is sin. Don't be afraid. And don't get me wrong, you do it out of love. I honestly believe a lot more would come to the saving knowledge of Christ if we did it more out of love and compassion can't just keep poking the bear. And let me just say this. <laughs> I assure you, if someone is in that lifestyle and they become convicted by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit draws them to Christ and they kneel and they repent of that sin and ask Christ into their heart, they will get saved and their life will change forever. That lifestyle will be gone. Now I'll tell you, if they make a profession and they don't leave that, pro that lifestyle, that was a false profession. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Amen? So understand. They're accountable to God. In church, we're accountable to God also when it comes to warning them that what was an abomination back then is still an abomination today. And I'll throw this in. We that are parents and grandparents, make sure we teach our children and grandchildren what saith the Lord concerning that. Because our kids are under a lot of peer pressure at school. In fact, if you're born the way God created you, there's something wrong with you. That's the lie. Something wrong with you. Because girls, you have feelings for boys, and boys, you have feelings for girls. There's something wrong with you. No, that's exactly how God made you. And be thankful for who you are. Don't apologize for who you are. In God's eyes, he made you perfect. In his image. God doesn't, Sister Ginger. 
Thank the Lord. Now, notice what he says. For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. said just a few moments ago about that group that have come through the doors of a church, have sat on a pew, have had a Bible at their hand, have went through all of the motions of being a Christian, but they're not. They're still going to be held accountable to God. See, the Jews honestly thought they were God's favorite. And yes, God loves them. He made a covenant with them. And yes, they're the apple of his eye. But they thought because they were his chosen, because he gave them the law, because they were his chosen ones, that it was an automatic, they were going to heaven. Folks, they ain't going to make it unless they come God's way through his son and the atonement of his son on the cross of Calvary. You see, we're accountable to God. I understand what Paul's trying to get across to the Jew and to the Gentile. Unless the righteousness of Christ is imputed upon us, we stand before God accountable for our sins, and one day we will have to stand before him in judgment. That's what all Paul's trying to say. It's pretty simple. A lot of people say the book of Romans is hard. It's not. You want a hard book, you say, Revelation, well, that can be hard. Takes a lot of studying. Takes a lot of strong concordance. But if you want a hard book, study the book of Ezekiel. That's the hardest book I've ever come across. I still don't halfway have it figured out. But I do know the theme. The theme is judgment and reconciliation. But it's a hard book. There's things in there that don't make sense. I'll be the first to say it, but you know what? I don't doubt it. I believe it because it's God's word. He just knows this old infidel here just thick sometimes up here. But I'll get it one of these days. But back to, he's wanting everyone to understand we're all accountable to God. And the people that are out there that are lost, they're blinded by Satan. It's true. But they also don't have a desire for the things of God and for salvation because they are content to stay in the flesh and sin and live as they want to, thinking that they're not accountable to anyone. But we're all accountable to God. Remember that. Now, look at the next verse. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. You say, oh, he's talking about works. Paul's saying that if we do good works, we can go to heaven. No, that's not what he's talking about. Listen, we can only go to heaven because we're justified in the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ our Lord. You say, well, what does that word imputed mean? What, what's he talking about? The righteousness of Christ, his sacrifice on the cross, the blood that was shed for us that washes away our sins. 
are counted for righteousness before God. It took me a second. What I mean is, when the Lord sees us, O sinner, saved by his marvelous, wondrous grace, he doesn't see my righteousness because I'm not fit, I'm not capable, nor could I ever be. But what he sees because of my act in faith and trust in what Christ did on the cross, therefore I am justified before him because the righteousness of what Jesus did to atone for my sin makes me righteous before God. Amen. So when he sees me, he doesn't see John Richardson's righteousness because, huh, believe me, that wouldn't get very far. But what he sees is the righteousness of his son. You that have been saved, that's why we can come before God. Because we're righteous through Christ. And because of it, you and I are now reconciled to God the Father. At, before we come to Christ, we were God's enemy. Amen? We ain't got a whole lot of sense, do we? Going to try to take on our creator? I don't think so. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Isn't it amazing? God gave his law to the Jews. And they were supposed to share one God with the Gentile world. And they were supposed to share the law with them. And by the way, the law was given for what reason? So that everybody could follow it to the letter. Listen, no. That's the problem. We couldn't follow it. The law was given to point to us that we were in need of a Savior. The law was given to show us what sin was. Because believe it or not, there's... Places in this world that have never seen a missionary, never heard the gospel, that don't know. But, just as Paul said, they will still be without excuse and accountable to God because God has revealed it through his creation. And he's also revealed himself through other people, missionaries. Us Christians and his word that we have. But he also reveals it through this little thing called a conscience. Can I ask you a question? We know what a conscience is, right? What does a conscience do? Well, it shows us what morality is. It teaches us right from wrong, correct? So we all have one. You know why? Because it's that conscience that God placed in us that reveals to us that we need him. You see, we were made to worship. And the Lord wants us to worship him. And he wants us to fellowship with him. But can I ask you a question concerning a conscience? If there is no God, there is no accountability for the sins that we do, then why would God give us a conscience? 
Why do we have it? Because it's through the conscience that we see the need for God. You ever met someone or heard of someone that's been said about, boy, they just don't have a conscience? Well, they do. But the problem with that conscience is they are so hardened in sin and wickedness that it doesn't do anything. It doesn't work. It's kind of like a seared mind. Seared mind with the conscience being seared with a hot iron as the word tells us. Uh, Seared iron ain't a good thing. That means nothing affects you. Especially with the things of God. You know that I'm thankful. Even though when I was under conviction I was a lost man and I gripped the pew and I would tussle with the Holy Spirit and the Lord Nope, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't want to give up what I'm doing, I like what I'm doing. Even though power of conviction was upon me, and I didn't particularly like it at that moment. In fact, I wanted to get out the doors as quick as I could, avoid the preacher. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit, because he was still dealing with me. And he never stopped dealing with me till I got right with him. But look at what verse 15 says. Notice what it says. Which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the mean, while accusing or else excusing one another. There's the conscience. God gave us all a conscience. So, God gave us his word. God gave us creation to recognize who he is. And God gave us this conscience to recognize that we and the world are depraved sinners, guilty before God, and therefore accountable to him. You see... When judgment comes, no one is going to be able to stand before God and say, Oh, nope, nope, I'm the exception. Not me. We're all going to stand before him, saved and unsaved. And we're going to give an account to God. We're accountable. You say, but I thought my sins were forgiven. They are. I, I, don't, I don't stand worried to face God because I have been forgiven. If you're saved, you have been forgiven. Your sins are cast away. You're never going to have to worry about them being brought up. But we're accountable to God for what truth he's revealed to us and how we have served him while here on earth. We're accountable for that. And then for the those of you that die without Christ, one, there's no excuse. You should, there's no excuse to go to hell. When God loved you and sent his son to take your penalty away. You see, I think what the world forgets 
Sometimes us Christians too. We forget about the debt owed. Saved and unsaved. But especially the unsaved. And I can't put 100% blame on them because there are some out there that we haven't done our jobs as believers in witnessing and sharing the gospel to. Now, they're still accountable. They still owe that debt. And believe me, that's a debt they're not going to want to pay. But they are going to pay unless they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They allow the gospel, the truth of God's word, to come into their lives. But understand, they're accountable, and so will we be. We're here for a reason. Wouldn't it be nice? I've, I've said this many times, but it bears repeating over and over again. I would have given anything after I finally gave my heart to Christ, and he saved me, boom, I'd just go to heaven. And I wouldn't have to worry about temptations in the flesh. wouldn't have to worry about it Life would be so easy. I'm saved, now I'm with the Lord. But no, he left me here, and he left you here, because he wants us to serve others. He wants us to point others to him and his grace. That's why we're still here. And we need to understand that. The church, for far too long, has taken the attitude, well, I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. I can just kick back. Mm -mm. What's that old song we like to sing? We'll work till Jesus comes. Nowadays, though, I think we'll snore till Jesus comes. No. We're to work. We're to occupy. He even said, occupy till I come. That wasn't just take up space. It means occupy. It means get busy. You've been instructed. Go. Out into the world. To Jerusalem. To Samaria. And to all Judea. Until the uttermost parts of the world. That's what he said. Are we doing it? Look at the last verse. Now hush. Notice. In the day... When God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Think about that just for a second. The Bible tells us of two judgments. One for the believer and one for the lost. For the believer is the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And again, we're going to give an account for our service. But for the lost, that person that has never received Jesus as their personal Savior, they'll go to the great white throne. And the Bible says 
that their names that aren't written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that they'll be cast into the eternal lake of fire. And notice eternal lake of fire. Contrary to what some would teach you, Jehovah Witnesses, you're annihilated. You stand before God. Oh, yeah, you're accountable to God. You'll stand before him. But if you die unrighteous, you just burn up. Nope, that's not what Jesus said. It's not what God's word says. Your name ain't in the book. And the only reason it's not going to be in the book is because you never accepted Christ as your Savior. If it's not there, you're not just going to be annihilated and burn up. No, you're going to be tormented day and night forever and forever. But notice what he said. Who's going to judge us? God. So what does that mean? You and me are accountable to God. You can try to get away with your sin. You can try to hide it. You can flaunt it. You can do anything you want to do. But understand, one day, and we don't know when, but one day, we are either going to stand before him as a servant or as a lost person. But we will stand before the judge. And God is that judge. So what's it going to be? What is it going to be? I know... I'm going to appear before the judge. And as bad as I am, I have a reprieve. I have a pardon. And the Lord, by his marvelous grace, will one day say, come on. Not because you deserve it, you did anything to earn it, but because of what my son did. Come on in. But, listen to me, if you die without Christ, there's not going to be no reprieve, there's not going to be no pardon. You stand guilty before God, owing the dead and the penalty for that dead, which is sin, to a holy and righteous God. Pretty easy choice. If you're here under the sound of my voice, if you don't know him, you've heard the truth this morning. I'm not tooting my horn because I'm, mm -mm. but God's word is truth. And I love what Jesus said about the truth. You shall know the truth. That's it. That's right. Thank you, sister. She's excited. Sister, that's okay. I would hope everybody here loves Jesus. Ain't you saved, sister? Praise the Lord. But again, are you sure? You can have a head knowledge. Oh, believe me, I had a head knowledge. I knew there was a God. I believe there was Jesus. That was God's son. I believe he went to the cross and he died. I believed about who he was. 
but I didn't believe in him until I confessed with this whole mouth the Lord Jesus and believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead. But when I finally did that, I knew he was real and I had the deal of a lifetime. Saved and I know it. How about you this morning? I'm saved and I'm happy. Amen. Thank you, sister. That's right, sister. Amen. Very good. I hope everybody's happy about that. We should be. It's a shame when we're not. Again, Paul made it pretty simple. We're all depraved sinners and we're all accountable to our Creator. So, the Creator says through His Word, trust His Son. Receive His Son. If you do it, you have nothing to fear. If you don't do it, that's another thing. I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. But as long as there's breath, there's hope. And right now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Call upon Him. And He'll save you.